0: 7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia.
1: And a very good evening and uh, thank you for uh, staying with us on SAFM and for joining us on SAFM uh, Spot On. Uh, Tabi Somosia is me and Katleko Mudiba is producing the show. Uh, We're going to start off with breaking news after Safa announced later this afternoon uh, that Madagascar have become the latest uh, nation to pull out of a friendly against Bafana Bafana which was scheduled to take place at the Orlando Stadium uh, on Saturday night at 7. You will remember that Madagascar were actually in as a replacement for Zambia who pulled out earlier this week citing the Zeno attacks in SA which has seen the looting of foreign owned shops mainly in Gauteng and attacks on foreigners and uh, we are actually going to hear now from uh, a consultant in Madagascar that works closely with the Madagascar FA about their decision to uh, pull out at the 11th hour uh, dare I say because I do believe that they were already at the airport about to board uh, their plane to South Africa when they decided against uh, coming here. uh, We have received some information that they were put under pressure uh, by uh, some African nations on About their decision to accept a friendly against Bafana Bafana With what is happening here in South Africa at the moment uh, So we're going to hear from the sports consultant Mirado Who works closely with the Madagascar FA And he will tell us about their decision to to withdraw from their match against Bafana Bafana And on that note, uh, uh, Safa have confirmed that they will have a press conference uh, this evening It should be getting underway any minute from now just to address this matter and other matters relating to Bafana Bafana's matches. Uh, it doesn't look like there will be a game during this FIFA break. I don't think anybody at this stage now will uh, play against Bafana Bafana. So all the overseas-based players uh, will probably go back home tomorrow. Uh, but also on the show tonight, we are going to talk a lot of tennis. We're going to look at the semi-finals of the last Grand Slam of the year, the US Open at Flushing Meadows in New York. We'll also hear from Tennis South Africa about the SA Spring Open. That's a new tournament that will uh, start later this month ellis Parker. they say it's a, it's a first of its kind in africa uh this is a spring open and it's endorsed by um it's 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 endorsed by the atp well by the itf rather and uh, it will be for both men and women and they're expecting players from all over the world to come and take part in this one so we'll find out from tennis essay more about this essay spring open We'll also have a conversation with the Roger Federer Foundation. They've agreed to speak to us about next year's match in Africa, which will be played in Cape Town between Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Tickets were sold out in just 10 minutes of going on sale on Wednesday. And uh, the CEO of the Roger Federer Foundation, Janine Handel, has agreed to chat to us all the way from uh, Switzerland. And uh, woo! It's a packed show. We're still hoping to speak to Marika Holzhausen, the Proteas netball player who announced her retirement from All Netball last month. And we want to highlight her career and find out how she looks back at it. So it's a packed show and let's hope that we can fit everything in. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. So, firstly, then, let's hear from um, the sports consultant, Mirado, who works with the Madagascar FA. We reached out to the president of the Madagascar FA um, uh, this afternoon, this evening, rather, after they withdrew from their match against Bafana Bafana. The president then referred us to Mirado, uh, who works as a consultant with them, and uh, Mirado said we must send him questions, and he's going to send us a voice note. So, some of the questions that we sent to Mirado was why did they decide to pull out? Also, is it true that there was pressure from other African nations? Why did they agree uh, to this match in the first place? Did, were they aware of what was happening in South Africa?
2: My name is Miradu Rekutouar Malala and I'm a sports consultant in uh, Madagascar. Uh, sometimes uh, I work for um, the Madagascar FA, sometimes for, uh, for some clubs or uh, even for uh, some uh, media. The Malagasy FA decided to pull out the, of the match uh, because of um, the recommendations of, uh, of some uh, national institutions here in uh, Madagascar. There was no pressure from other nations and uh, it was a decision from the Madagascar side only. Yes, the Madagascar national team was at the airport uh, before the um, Madagascar FA called them to leave the airport and come back to the headquarters of uh, the FMF yes the Madagascar side knew uh, something uh, about what happened in South Africa but uh, frankly uh, we didn't know how uh, how is it really important the the situation there how threatening it was it is in my opinion, Uh, There was uh, no discussion about boycotting, playing uh, against Bafana, Bafana. I think uh, it's just about uh, security matter. It's just about that, not about uh, boycotting or being in solidarity with other nations.
1: So then, that is the sports consultant, Merado. He did say his surname uh, earlier on. Uh, We were referred to him by the president of the Malagasy FA. And basically, as you heard, he's confirmed uh, what we we understood, that the team was already at the airport when they were told by the FA to come back. But he denies that there was pressure from the other African nations. Uh, They felt that it was just a security concern for them because of the situation in South Africa. It is, uh, yeah... Nations have taken a stance now Let's hear what Safa is going to say At their uh, press conference Which is underway right now in Rosebank And as soon as we get something from that We will definitely let you know But if you want to weigh in on what's happened now On the reaction from this football um, From these FAs Please feel free to call us on 0891-104-207 0891-104-207 Our SMS line is 41391 And we take voice notes on WhatsApp on 061 4104107. We're using the hashtag uh, SAFM uh, Spot On on our social media. So, if you want to weigh in on what's happened on the latest, the SAFA was already offering free entry to this game that announced today that people can get tickets free of charge, but it's uh, not happening anymore. So, Madagascar following um, in the footsteps of, of of Zambia, if I can put it like that, because Zambia was the original opponent for Bafana Bafana this Saturday in Lusaka. But um, they also pulled out, citing the violence in South Africa and uh, citing security concerns and uh, the xenophobic attacks also. Uh, they decided to pull out, and then that's when Safa scrambled to go and get Madagascar. And uh, now, two days later, Madagascar have also pulled out. They definitely won't get anybody at this stage. <coughs> At SAFM radio and at Tabisomusia on Twitter. So, I did say we've got a packed show tonight. We're going to talk a lot of tennis, but let's firstly catch up with former Proteas uh, netballer player Mareka Holzhausen, who announced her retirement uh, from uh, professional netball uh, last month. And we've been trying to get hold of her. We finally got hold of her um, after she returned home. She's back in bloom. And I began by asking her if this was always the plan to retire after the World Cup.
3: Yes, I think I've been thinking about it for um, a while and I, yeah, I think every athlete gets to a point where they need to start looking at retiring and I will definitely not be playing in the 2023 20, World Cup. I knew that for a long time. So um, I need to give other players the opportunity to start preparing in the team for what lies ahead.
1: And how do you know when your time is up?
3: I think it's just... Yeah, life happens and I think your priorities change and I, yeah, I think I've I've reached most of my goals that I wanted to achieve and I think we start dreaming about other things and I think I'm at a, a stage in my life where I just want to be closer to my family and start planning a career.
1: And how do you look back at this year's World Cup? Do you think you're living on a high and the team in a good space?
3: Yes, definitely. I think um, the World Cup's probably one of um, the highlights of my career, I think we had a a brilliant tournament um the only thing that would have probably made it better was coming home with that bronze medal but i think we performed really well and especially topping our pool with beating jamaica um we ended up in the top four and that was our goal um we set for ourselves four years ago so it's great to be able to achieve that
1: and overall how does marika look back at her international career three world cups commonwealth games under your belt what would you say has been your highlight also
3: well, I think the, there's so many highlights. Um, if you play netball for 12 years, um, I wouldn't be able to just pinpoint one or two things. But captaining my country for two years definitely is a highlight. And like, the Commonwealth Games and World Cups I've played in and all the friends I've made, I think that's the things that I would, um, really, I'm would really, i really going to miss, is the, the people and the people I got to meet and spend time with. Um, but it's, it was ju- it's just been a roller coaster ride. it's been great, and I've come, come through a few injuries and yeah, I've learned so many things about myself and about life, and I hope that I can take that forward with whatever happens in the future.
1: Well, it can be easy playing international netball for 12 years. What would you say has been key to your longevity of, of the longevity of your career?
3: Um, I think it's just the support I get from family and friends and especially in the workplace, um, where I was um with Unisia High School and um currently still with the University of the Free State and the way they accommodated me being away with Netball and pursuing my dream. Um, yeah, I think just the support system I have has just been amazing.
1: You also said in your statement on social media that you had two big injuries and two great comebacks. Uh, just tell us about those two moments in your career and and what was needed for you to pull through.
3: Yes, my first um, knee injury um, was in two thousand and nine, and I was still very young and didn't really know what it entailed to um, uh, have a ACL reconstruction. And the rehab was really tough, and I didn't think I was going to ever be able to play again. Um, but yeah, through the grace of God, I. Was able to get back on court and it was it was difficult, but it lear- I've really learned some great lessons. And then when it happened again in 2016, I think I was better equipped and a bit more mature to handle it. Um, the rehab was still tough because I was a bit older and my body didn't want to do everything that it had to do to get me ready to play again. But I think out of both those injuries, um, I worked harder and I came back a better player for it.
1: Well, as well, documented it, that it's not easy to make a career out of netball, especially here in South Africa, because it's not professional. What kind of sacrifices would you have made over these 12 years to make sure that you, you are playing for this team?
3: Well, I think um, I've definitely um, made some sacrifices with, uh, with family and friends and missing out on. On a lot of stuff, and because I, I, yeah, you need to be committed. And although you don't get paid, you have to mm. um, work hard and train two to three times a day. And that means getting up early and getting to bed late and missing out on a few things. But I wouldn't change any of that. Um, it's a choice I made, and um, the memories I made and what I learned, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't really change that for for anything.
1: Also, in your statement, you said you can't believe an eight-year-old you got away with more than she ever dreamt of. Where did your love for netball come from, America?
3: Um, It definitely came from school and just spending time with my friends on a Saturday um, at a netball game. And I think that's probably the first friends I made was um, on an netball court. And I really just enjoyed spending time on the court and training. And I enjoyed playing with the ball. And luckily, I was a little good at it. So... <laughs> Um, I could I could play it for 12 years, yeah.
1: And growing up, is there anyone that inspired you or you looked up to as a youngster?
3: I, mean, I, I think the first person I always go to is my mom. Mm. Um, and she's just, yeah, she's my hero and she's supported me the most and probably my biggest fan. Um, but another netball player that when I was still at school was Irene van Dijk that went to New Zealand. I think yeah. she's the first one that showed us that anything is possible for a a South African netball player. And although at that stage, netball wasn't very well-known and not even close to being semi-professional, she showed us that it it is possible if you have passion and you work hard that you would be able to um, make a career out of it. So yeah, those are the two people that probably influenced my career
1: the most. Definitely, we actually did have an interview with Irene Van Dijk all the way in New Zealand. And what's next now for Marika after the the end of your international chapter?
3: Well, at the moment it's still so unknown. I'm I'm open for all the possibilities. Um, I'm back in Blumenfontein at the moment, working at the university. Um, of the free state um, as a sports administrator, um, but yeah, anything can happen in the future. I'll definitely keep on training and find another sport or something to keep me busy, otherwise I'll go crazy. <laughs> um, but at the moment, yeah, still very unknown and just getting into life without netball.
1: So that is Marika Holzhausen then speaking to us. She's retired from all professional and netball, and we just thought we should highlight one of our stars of the Proteus over 100 caps for the Spa Proteus and netball team. And well done, Marika, and thank you very much for the memories. And we're going to take your reaction after the break, and we're still going to talk a lot of tennis here on SAFM Sport. On a reaction, of course, on Madagascar pulling out of their match against Bafana.
0: Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM.
1: Okay, we did ask for your reaction on uh, what's transpired uh, from Madagascar. We also had from Mirado, the sports consultant of the Malagasy FA. You can call us 0891 104 207, SMS line 41391, and we've got some voice notes on WhatsApp that have come through on 061 4104 107.
0: Evening, Tabiso. I would like to congratulate for following suit for making the right decision for cancelling this game and now i've my words because i had already labeled them sellouts i think all african countries should follow suit take a stand against all this nonsense so that proper decision making can happen people should act and stop talking
1: A very good evening to you and the listeners.
4: With regards to Bafana having no opponents from Africa, do you blame the rest of Africa? No. This by no means is a xenophobic attack. This is the lazy South Africans who do not want to work. Just go smash and grab, free for all. Come on, South Africans, wake up. What we're indirectly doing here is we are attracting terrorism in this country very soon you're going to get isis you're going to get boko haram coming and taking revenge we've never had that nonsense in south africa so please south africans think about what you're doing get up and go and do a hard day's work and make your living that way thank you bye
2: good evening tabiso Uh, is gabello from pretoria here Uh, You know what, member, I feel bad and sad that uh, all these countries which we are planning to play against have cancelled at this moment. And also feel also sad that these incidents are happening in my country. But now I don't understand the reason why these countries are cancelling because the things which are happening now is actually crime. So are they saying uh, they're acting against crime in our country? Are they now interfering in, into the politics of our country? Or what? what, what is the situation with them, with their, the, the, those countries specifically?
1: Okay, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for those voice notes. Uh, the other question is uh, our under-23s are supposed to play Zimbabwe in an Olympic qualifier. Uh, and uh, they are already in camp. The game is this weekend. You wonder then if will Zimbabwe pull uh, pull out of that Olympic qualifier? Can they afford to pull out of that Olympic qualifier against uh, the under twenty threes? Uh, very interesting that. But uh, let's move on then and uh, talk a bit of our uh, tennis. Now uh, we didn't get a chance to preview the U.S. Uh, Open, and it's in the business And uh, now with the semi final time and tennis, analyst uh, Bruce Davidson joins us on the line just to look at uh, the last four, the last eight standing. Bruce, good evening. Thanks for always being able to chat to us here on SAFM. Uh, good to be on the show
4: again. Thanks for having me.
1: Let's start with the women's semis. Uh, uh, Bruce Zvitolina against Serena Williams should be a cracker. But looking at Alina, there's been a belief that she cracks at Grand Slams, but she's been uh, she's had a great year. What's changed for her this year? Because she had a semi at Wimbledon and I think a quarter final at the Australian Open, if I remember.
4: Yeah, no, you're quite right. She's had a blind over year. Elena Svitolina is, um, is, is, you know, the fifth seed. She's from the Ukraine. Um, she hasn't dropped a set um, so far, going into the semi-finals, which makes her a very uh, difficult opponent for Serena Williams who is seated behind her in the tournament at number 8 I think Alina is just in a very good space, I, I think she's also madly in love, I see it with Gail Morfisa on the side mm. uh, there is uh, a lot of love and I think she's just in a happy space and I was speaking to uh, Jeff Kutsia, the South African uh, coach who's in uh, New York just before the show to get some inside info and he did say to me that Elena is definitely in a very happy space and when, when people People are happy, they tend to be wise, and they tend to play good tennis. So I think Serena's going to have a handful against the, the number five seed. Um, they have played each other five times before. Serena leaves 4 1. The last time they played was in the 26th Olympics, actually, which Catalina mm. won. Uh, but um, Williams has won the previous three. Uh, but a, a lot of pressure on Serena going into the semi final. 24th record trying Grand Slam singles title. She's trying to get everybody talks about it, including you every time we have a Grand Slam, and uh, she is um, really desperate to get that, but she's just desperate to, to prove to the world that she can still play good tennis, and in the way she played against uh, that uh, Chinese Wang Xiang, won yep. six, six love in less than 44 minutes, I mean that was just amazing, because that Chinese girl can play ball, so it's going to be an interesting one, And I, but I, I, I think Serena's going to be the stronger one personally.
1: I was about to ask about that record of Margaret Court. A lot of people were not sure where to put Serena in the, on the favourites list before the tournament. Did you also have doubt that maybe she's crumbling under that pressure?
4: Well, you know, the problem is that every single time she's going into a tournament, a Grand Slam, the press are going to ask her that question. And there's going to be headlines, will this be her 24th um, a record equal breaking slam? So I think she's quite used to it. I think she's put that behind her. She knows that it's not going to go away, and uh, the only way to to to, to um, you know silence uh, everybody is by just getting that twenty fourth. But I believe she's got it in her. She's playing good tennis. I mean, I've, I've been watching her very carefully. Her serve is on song, and uh, on the hard courts when the serve is working well, uh, it's already a, a big advantage. And she's just mm-hmm. getting stronger and stronger every single match and if she can remain fit for the rest of the tournament I think she's gonna be hard to beat.
1: Well she had ninety percent of her first serves in play against uh, uh Xiang Wang in that quarter final that you were talking about. Looking oh by the way, um Alina also beat Venice um earlier on at the US Open. How often does one do a double of the Williams sisters at a Grand Slam? Not
4: too not too often and not too often because uh Serena's been playing so well, but I think that, uh, you know, it's a disadvantage to Elena that she played against Venus, because obviously Venus is going to speak to her sister mm. about how she played, how, you know, all, all that she's done. But she's done her homework against Elena. And as I said, you know, she's beaten her out of the four times they've played, she's beaten her three times. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think uh, it, it, it's going to be a difficult match, but I think Serena's got the
1: advantage. Would you have picked a Belinda Benchik versus Bianca Andreescu semi final?
4: I would have put Benchic there. In fact, I, I did call her for a semi-final spot, mm. but I didn't think that Andreescu was going to get there because Andrescu has just been through such a torrid time with all the, the personal problems and everything. Um, but I must say, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a a cracker of a semi-final. 13-seed Bencic, 15-seed Andreescu. They're very close in the world rankings. Uh, there's a few years in, in, in age between them. They're both in their first Grand Slam semi-final, which makes it a very, very hungry semi-final for both to win. Um, but, you know, Benchik you know, beating Naomi Osaka the way she did, because yeah. I just thought Naomi Osaka had all of a sudden found her rhythm and found her groove and was playing good tennis, and then all of a sudden, bang, bang, Benchik takes her out. But I must say that, um, you, you, and drescu. And Uh, Give her credit, the Canadian has not lost a completed match since March. Can you believe that she has not lost a completed match since March? Uh, But it's going to be very interesting because Benjik has been in the quarterfinals of the US Open before when she was 17. Um, in 2014. And in, remember, we just we don't re- often remember this, but in 2016 she was the world number seven. Mm. So Benchik has got a lot of experience on his side, but it's going to be an interesting match because a lot of the pundits are calling Andrescu as the winner.
1: And it's easy to forget that Belinda is only 22, Bruce. It seems like she's been around for, for, for a very long time, but she's been troubled by injuries. Is she over those, those, those injury struggles?
4: No, she'll never get over the injury struggles, but she's managing them well. But, you know, the reason why you, you think she's been there a long time, like Sharapova felt that she was there forever, oh. was because when she was 17, as I said, in 2014, which is not too far ago, but it, it, she was a the quarterfinals of the US Open, made a big name for herself. So you know that that's already five years ago, and uh, she was playing good tennis before that. But it's, uh, I'm looking forward to that semi-final. It's going to be an interesting one. You know, whenever someone is in the semi-final for the first time and they've got a possibility of getting through to their first Grand Slam final, it becomes war.
1: I saw that Andrescu was thirty one and four this season. She's only nineteen. Um she's won at Indian Wells and in Canada when Serena retired. Has she now become the one to watch for the future?
4: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Everybody's talking about this Canadian Bianca uh, Andrescu, she's she's really someone to watch. As I said in that previous uh, comment I made, she has not lost a completed yeah. match since March. Now that is a couple of months ago, and that's quite a, a feat. She's also had a few injury problems, but I think the big uh, downfall for her this year was uh, the personal, uh, you know, issues with her father passing away, etc., mm-hmm. etc. I think that. Took a beating, but you know sometimes people come back stronger from those type of things, and uh, I think there's a lot going for this nineteen-year-old
1: incredibly she went to the australian open as a qualifier and is now seeded for the u.s yeah. open let's look at the man same is now the number five seed daniel medvedev against zagrigo dimitrov um I, I when i was reading the previews before the tournament started medvedev seemed to be one of the in on form players on a tour and it seems like he's carried that form through but he faces the man who knocked fedra out who would be the favorite here well, I think
4: it's going to be a difficult one because Medvedev, you know, as you said, is the hottest player on the hard courts this summer. He got to the final of Washington. He got to the final in Canada. They went on to win Cincinnati's first Masters. He really, really is, is in hot form. Um, you know, he's already qualified for the London showdown with the top eight in the world. Mm. But, uh, he's, it's his first semi final. Now, that's going to make a big difference to the match. Gregor Dimitrov has been in two semi finals before, Australia and Wimbledon. But this is Medvedev's first semi final of a Grand Slam. He has been troubled a little bit with a left quadricep uh, injury. I just hope that doesn't play too much uh, part of this semi final. Uh, because uh, that injury was not that great. Apparently, he has had good treatment. But uh, you know, when you go into a semi-final and you're playing a big match, sometimes that injury just reoccurs, even if it's mentally. But uh, he's definitely the informed player, Medvedev. Most matches won um, played, sorry, this year by any uh, ATP player, and he's won 49 of them, which is incredible. Medvedev uh, will have his hands full against Grigor Dimitrov. He's come on a very big high after beating Fedra. Lots of confidence. Um, you know, he's, <laughs> he was mm. number three in the world. He's number 78 now. Mm. And it means that he knows that he can play like a number three. Can play, he's beaten Fedra. And as I said, got to semi finals of Australia and Wimbledon before. So um, I think it's going to be a tough match, but I think Medvedev has got the upper hand. He is the hottest player on the circuit.
1: Just back to that injury that you mentioned. Could that then be the reason why he said he almost quit against Wawrinka, or Absolutely. is it? T- Absolutely. Yeah. And I tell you something. It was a very close call there because you know we saw the same thing happen to Djokovic. Yeah. Djokovic
4: carried an injury into a match. He didn't think that he would have too much of a trouble beating um, uh, Wawrinka. And then, uh, but you know, when you carry an injury into a match against the former Grand Stam champion, it's not going to be easy. Sometimes they can get through it and then get treatment the next day and be ready for the next day. So that's what uh, Djokovic was hoping. But I'll tell you something Medvedev is hurting on this, uh, this injury, this quadri- And I'll tell you the reason why is that the, the, the physio that's treating the Colombian pair of Cabal and Farah, who Jeff Kutsia coaches, is yeah. doing treatment for Medvedev. And he did say to me, it's not as nice as we it's, it's actually quite a severe injury but he's obviously going to be nursing it he's going to come on strapped he like he did come on strapped in his previous match mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to hope he can get it through to the final
1: the other semi-final is uh, rafael nadal of course the number two seed up against uh, uh, matteo berrettini the italian who is with fedra and Djokovic out is this tournament for nadal to lose bruce
4: Ah, uh, Yeah, you're quite right. I mean, the Nadal that is is clear favourite. I mean, 33 Grand Slam semi-final, um, you, you know, he, he's, he's, he's really the, the oldest, the most experienced, and definitely the favourite. He's playing in his eighth USO semi-final. He is also carrying an interest, uh, interesting uh, I- injury. His left forearm is, is giving a few problems, and with Nadal, you know, he's got to be 100% fit to play, 100% tennis. But, um, and I did see that he was battling a little bit in his, his win yesterday against Reitzman. He had 39 enforced errors, only 35 winners, so more enforced errors than winners. And the conditions were very muggy, which he hates. He is, he's got an allergy problem, almost like a, um, a, 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 a nasal problem. And when it gets muggy, he, he tends to get sweaty and, 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 and panic. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's never lost uh, at this stage of the tournament. He's won eight uh, straight quarterfinal matches at the U.S. Open in Moscow in against this Italian, uh, Matteo Baratini, as, as clear favorite. But uh, all, all credit to the Italian for getting through to the semi final. Mm. And sometimes, you know, when you get through to a semi final your confidence levels are so high. And I was watching that Italian because I'm a big Nadal fan and I do worry about <laughs> him, but I see that this... You know, it's this big hit stocky Italian. He moves very well. He's got a big serve. He's got a big forehand. 24th seed, 23-year-old guy from Rome. I'll tell you something. He can play good tennis, and he might go in there very confident against Nadal. But let me say Nadal must be the favourite to win it, and I'm sure
1: he will. Finally, we're going to talk to the Roger Federer Foundation up next, Bruce. But there's been talk that Federer at 38, our father time is catching up with him. Would you agree? Yes, I think, you know,
4: Tom is, is calling on Roger Federer. I mean, he's playing incredible tennis for his age. Um, he's still right up there in the top six, seven, eight of the world. Um, and uh, the only reason why I think he's, he's, he's playing um, such good tennis and, and is at such a high is because he's just such a brilliant player, probably the best we've ever seen. Not many players will be able to play like he does and win as. He doesn't keep a ranking like he does at their age. But, you know, I think uh, Roger Federer might be thinking it'll be good to go out on a high. I believe that if he had won the US Open, he might have actually called it quits, Mm. uh, funny enough. Um, But uh, he probably might play London, which he's qualified for. And let's see if he he, he calls it quits then. I don't think he's going to play for much longer, quite honestly.
1: Bruce, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM.
4: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That's our tennis analyst, uh, Bruce Davidson, looking at the uh, semifinals of the U.S. uh, Open. We're going to talk to Tennis SA up next to find out more about the SA Spring Open and then end the show with a conversation with the CEO of the Roger Federer Foundation. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musiya weekdays at 7 p.m. Before we talk tennis, let me just give you a breaking story that we've just got here, confirmed by one of our own here at SABC. Lebohang Dube, a uh, midfielder the Banyana Banyana vice captain, has signed for AC Milan unbelievable well done uh Fifiño there she is on the books of the italian giants ac milan but let's talk tennis now and uh, anthony Murutane is on the line to speak to us he is the tennis essay commercial manager also tournament director for the SA spring open which will take place later this month and we want to find out more about this tournament anthony good evening and thanks for speaking to us
0: good evening so thanks for having me
1: so what is the spring open how would you describe it to us and everybody everybody listening
0: you know what, I always say to people that I think um, the, when we launched the Spring Open, it was actually the start of the exciting times of tennis in the country. Uh, Spring Open is the, is the first of its, uh, its kind, not only in Africa, but around the world that it will have um, an able-bodied tournament um, running concurrently with the wheelchair tennis tournament. This is something that has never happened anywhere across the country except, out, uh, except the Grand Slams. I mean, even at the Grand Slams, you have the able-bodied start the week early mm. and then the wheelchair tennis later. So this is the first time that we'll have both wheelchair tennis and able-bodied running in the same week. So it's going to be... Quite an, an exciting uh, week of tennis, um, seeing some of the best uh, tennis players across the world come into Ellis Park. And uh, obviously, us as Tennis of Africa giving an opportunity to our local players to end those important ranking points and get international exposure.
1: And uh, I believe there'll be over 100 players from around the world. What are you expecting? correct yeah um you know i can actually the
0: entries are not confirmed yet for the tournament mm. but we'll have uh, over 160 players uh, both uh, will Chirton and able but it, we have seen at the moment that we have uh, the will Chirton's tournament has attracted uh, some of the top players uh, uh including uh, the french stars uh, World number no. 9 the World number no. 7 from japan so it's 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 quite um some uh, not Some big names coming, uh, especially from the wheelchair tennis side, and uh, we have the Davis Cup players like Ruan Rolivse uh, come, uh, mm. also taking part in the able body tournament.
1: Well, that's great. And how big is this for the country? Obviously sanctioned by the ITF, and I believe um, that I saw actually in the statement that it fits into the vision of the ATP because they want to safeguard the sport beyond the Grand Slams.
0: No, absolutely. Um, I think from the wheelchair tennis side is a grade two tournament. So a grade two tournament is um, uh, two stages, uh, three stages before a Grand Slam. So it, it, it's quite a, a big tournament, and I mean, it's quite beneficial when it comes to ranking points for our players. And uh, on the able-bodied side is an ITF um, $15 uh, uh, transition tour, mm-hmm. which also is quite big. You know, I think the, 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 the incredible part about it is the, the, our junior players. Get to an opportunity to take part in that level of tournament. Like your Monzi, who is the top um, uh, junior uh, player in the country, will get an opportunity to play in his first $15,000 uh, uh, transition tour right here at home. Mm.
1: So, so how are you hoping that it, it helps develop the sport in the country? Or how do you see this tournament helping uh, develop or, or, or just bringing attention to the sport in the country?
0: I think there there are two um, uh, areas that we look at. It number one is um, it's very expensive uh, for us to give opportunities to our players to, to to travel or participate abroad. It's very very costly. So now when we're able to host uh, the tournament of this magnitude right here, we are able to give um, over. 60% of our players on opportunity to play an international tournament of that is highly ranked and get those uh, important ranking points. I think the second um, um, thing is the the, the Spring Open has got like a lifestyle element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think Vision View uh, uh, Radio and Productions—they are very big on it—and which is something that will change the perception that South Africans have always had around tennis. I mean, if you check most of the tournaments that we have around, uh, you you hardly have, have lots of uh, spectators around. It's because it's all tennis but they're bringing an exciting element. They're bringing, like, please come chill with your family. You'll have a beer garden. You'll chill in the area. You will have, you will have an interaction with the players. So um, I think it's got that lifestyle element that will get a lot of people interested, or some, those people who haven't even get to watch tennis that will get to watch some of the best stars right there at Ellis Park and still enjoy the best moments, uh, chilling in the park or whatever while watching the tennis.
1: Talking about that, then will it be on TV? Will it be streamed? Will it be on radio? Will it be on any platform?
0: Exciting news from the quarterfinals of the ATP Spring Open um, that will be televised on Super Sport. Mm-hmm. Details will uh, will be announced uh, in the next uh, week or two.
1: And what about tickets, Anthony? When are they available? Are they already available? How much do they go for? Where where do they start? What's the price range?
0: Uh, I think the partnership with uh, Vision View has been great uh, hosting that uh, tournament, and um, especially looking at the kind of players that will be there. Um, tickets are free
1: Oh, tickets are um, free?
0: Yeah, so you play, uh, but everyone can can just go to saspringopen.co.za uh, and book their tickets there I mean, that's booking your sport right there at the centre court at Ellis Park where all the top seeded players will be taking, taking part Dates? Dates, um, the main draw so uh, the able-bodied tournament has got qualifying two qualifying dates, which is from the 22nd and the 23rd so the, um, the main draw starts on the 24th of September and it runs until the 29th of September.
1: Okay, great stuff. Anthony, we wish you all the best and we'll catch up again uh, closer to the time. But we're looking forward to the SA Spring Open. Thank you very much, Anthony Morotane, for speaking to us. Tournament Director of the SA Spring Open also of course uh, the commercial manager at Tennis SA. And without wasting any further time let's also welcome on the line Janine Handel who is the CEO of the Roger Federer Foundation. There was lots of excitement uh, this week and then lots of unhappiness. Also 10 minutes later people waiting to buy tickets for the match in Africa but uh, they were snapped up very quickly. It shows you um, the interest in the game here in South Africa and how people have been hungry for top class at tennis. Janine, good the evening from us here in South Africa on SAFM. Thank you very much for speaking to us.
5: Thank you for having me, Member.
1: Thank you. Uh, please tell us about the foundation and the kind of work that you guys do.
5: Well, the foundation is active in the region since more than 15 years. Actually, we are active in more than six countries, all in Southern Africa, but it all started in South Africa, which is the, uh, Roger's mother country, and uh, we are mostly focusing on early learning because we think if children have a good start in education, they mm. definitely will succeed in life.
1: Mm. And, and then how, how did the idea come about to stage the match here in South Africa?
5: Well, this was a long um, dream, which uh, Roger always had in mind, to play once in the country where uh, his mother was born. And he never was playing before in uh, sub-Saharan Africa, so it was with a lot of excitement to plan that over quite some years. But you know, his agenda is really full, so mm-hmm. uh, it was not easy to find uh, that moment. Uh, in addition, he did not want it to play against someone. <laughs> he wanted to play against the best, mm-hmm. which was Rafael Nadal. So uh, combining these two full agendas was quite a challenge. But uh, we are all happy that finally, the next February, it will take place.
1: And I see it's match day. Uh, it's, matchin- it's, it's, it's the sixth edition of this match. Where else has it been played?
5: Well, we started all in Switzerland, of course. Yes. Uh, uh, we have had in the past uh, three match match for Africa in Zurich, Mm. and we had uh, two of that kind in the United States. And uh, yes, as you can hear, there is a slight difference in naming. uh, In in Europe and in the States, we do match for Africa, and this will be our very first match in Africa.
1: That is incredible. Janine, we're just going to take a quick break. If you can stay with us. For those who've just joined us, we're speaking to Janine Handel, who is the CEO of the Roger Federer Foundation, joining us all the way from Switzerland, talking about the match in Africa and the work that is done by the foundation
0: at SAFM radio
1: and that's Tabiso Somosia on Twitter. Still talking about the big one, the match in Africa, of Roger Federer up against Rafael Nadal. Uh, people have been asking, uh, Janine, is it a once off or are you hoping it's a start of something that will uh, come back again to Africa?
5: Well, first of all, we, we are all happy if we make it to the one and only next year. Um, we really want to have a unique event in terms of atmosphere, in mm. terms of quality, in terms of crowd, in terms of world records, filling up the the Cape Town Stadium yes. with uh, fifty thousand people. I mean, this is worldwide uh, record, so and then we, we see what comes afterwards. But, I mean, it's quite a big deal huh, to, to organize such an event.
1: But you must be encouraged by how people snapped up the tickets uh, in less than 10 minutes from from what uh, they're saying.
5: Wow, yeah, that was uh, quite overwhelming. I mean, we, we experienced that kind of very fast sales in Europe, also mm. in, in Zurich when we did the match for Africa it, it took uh, 10 minutes or even less mm. um, but of course this stadium is much bigger than we have in Europe and uh, we did not know so sure what what will happen uh, yesterday morning. 40,000 tickets to sell is is quite a number and, uh, but of course we we are very happy uh, that now we can focus on preparing the event and don't need to go from door to door and sell the tickets.
1: <laughs> well, um, other people are not happy, of course, those that missed out. There have been some reports that they might consider adding more seats. Is, is, is that correct information?
5: We are looking into it. Um, of course, we, we, we know that there are many disappointed fans out there, and I, I really feel sorry for them. I, I really can understand their frustration. Uh But having a a, a much bigger stadium would not be the solution because it's a tennis court, it's not Mm. a football match. So you need to have a good view on the court. And this is of utmost importance. So for us, that's also why we started with uh, a seating only of 48,000, which is not the capacity of a football match. We wanted to make sure that it is a good experience for everybody. But we might, being able to add some grandstands there, and uh, yeah, uh, that 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 makes uh, some seats more available for for some fans.
1: Right, um, that's, that's good but, to hear. But
5: of course, it will be never enough for the whole crowd. <laughs> that is for sure.
1: But I also see that it seems like you went out of your way to make them accessible to all South Africans because whenever we have events from outside the country, the prices are ridiculously are priced here. Yeah, but they, these ones were very affordable starting at at 150
5: That was very important to us. You know, I mean, to be a fan, uh, it should be possible to access uh, whatever your social background is, um, that that was a fundamental principle for us from the beginning. It should start at a very, very affordable uh, price. And that's also why maybe there was such a run. Uh, mm. But uh, we, we want to invite everybody, right?
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. And where do the proceeds go? Because I believe this foundation, um, that over one million children have benefited from the Roger Federer Foundation.
5: Yes, the benefit will go 100% to the Roger Federer Foundation. Um, that's uh, to, to continue our work in the whole region. So, but again, it, this match is less to have the biggest proceeds. That's why we make affordable prices. Uh, it is more important, really, to have a unique, great event in in Cape Town. Uh, but of course, there will be uh, some benefits. Uh, let's see how much for the foundation. Uh, but this is more in the second line. Hmm.
1: And and how often does Roger come to South Africa, Janine? Because sometimes we we hear that he's here and then he's left already. Does he come? Does he come often?
5: Well, he comes regularly because he is the founder and president of the Roger Federer Foundation. Mm. And in that kind of position, of course, he needs to visit the project uh, and he needs to get touch with what we do on the ground. He meets with ministers, he meets with presidents. And uh, in that capacity, he he often comes to the region. And, uh, of course, there is always a small slot for meeting family members Mm. and some friends. uh, But we can also say he would have loved to come more often. But that's not possible with a very busy schedule in tennis.
1: Well, we've got a question here from Twitter that says that um, they were saying that people could only buy six tickets. Um, There are reports that people bought more tickets in bulk. Are you aware of that?
5: Yes, uh, we limited uh, exactly the amount of tickets at six. That was a tough decision to take, right? Mm. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we could have limited at two tickets in order to get more people access uh, online to get the tickets in that period. But of course, we wanted also that the whole family could experience uh, the match. So that's why we, we took the decision for six. Um, and uh, well, you can uh, you can think about if if the whole procedure was or the whole process sales process was only during 10 minutes yeah. there is not much time for doing the whole payment procedure and rest- registering procedure more than once or twice right so <laughs> it was quite limited now how how many people could really purchase these six tickets
1: yes and finally janine what are you hoping um, south africans take out of this match what legacy do you hope it leaves behind
5: well i think i speak here also in the name of of roger for him it is very important to some somehow promote tennis as well in the in the country that was also a strong motivation for him to, to come down to really show quality or world-class tennis in, in in the country so we, we hope that maybe some movement goes through the country and uh, some kids or another uh, is thinking about um, yeah starting tennis uh, wherever they live
1: great stuff janine thank you very much for finding time to speak to us everybody is excited i will spread the word we'll keep building up to this uh, match in africa we can't wait for it and all the best and well done on the work that you're doing as a foundation and for bringing this match here
5: thank you member and thank you for your support and your platform
1: Thank you, member there, Janine Handel uh, CEO of the Roger Federal Foundation, I'm clearly a fan of our show too, looking forward to that one, we'll let you know when they add those grandstand folks and when the tickets are available, uh, because I know so many people are really not happy that they didn't get tickets and a lot of people want to go to that match at the Cape Town Stadium Let's end with some voice notes that came through after we reported, we heard from um, the consultant of the Malagasy FA after they pulled out of their match against Bafana Bafana, the Suffer Press Conference is under away at the moment also good evening
0: member it's velile from cape town um i am really against these va- uh, violence attacks this xenophobic attacks they are wrong a bad image for our country um, i do not agree with the countries uh, that are pulling out of the friendlies against Bafana. the reason being the government is not endorsing what is happening? If the government was endorsing this, if the government was agreeing that this must happen, then that would be understandable. But at this moment, I really do not understand their thinking and their reasoning. Thanks. Good evening, Tabisa. Tabisa, I'd like to blame the government for what is happening in South Africa, especially for me. Our government is going to countries in Africa to sign deals, and they are deals that will benefit them and oppress South Africans, especially the poor South Africans. Now the poor South Africans are poor, and they don't know. The only thing they know to solve issues is is violence. So let's go to our government who owned mine in Zimbabwe, who we'll go and, and open shops uh, 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 and open uh, shops in, in these countries like Nigeria. and then in return Nigerians must come and work in South Africa to take whose job. Look at South Africa it has a 27 uh, unemployment rate and then these stupid guys is, is saying that South Africans must work. Where must we work?
1: Okay, well, yeah, no, that's the reaction that's come through. Uh, we are out of time. We can't take any more of the voice notes. I see a lot of them um, have come through, especially about uh, this issue of um, of what's happening in the country at the moment. We're going to have to leave it there as soon as Petra is up next. But first, we have to go to news.